History, economics, the great works of literature, the meaning of the U.S. Constitution. Did you study these things in school? Probably not. Or even if you did, like I did, maybe it's time for a refresher. Time and technology have changed a lot of things, but they have not changed basic fundamental truths about the world and our place in it as America. That's why I'm so excited that Hillsdale College is offering more than 40 free online courses in the most important and enduring subject. You can learn about the works of C.S. Lewis, the stories in the book of Genesis, the meaning of the U.S. Constitution, the rise and fall of the Roman Republic, or the history of the ancient Christian church with Hillsdale College's online courses, all available for free. That's right, you heard me, for free. You don't get anything free in the Biden economy today. I personally recommend you sign up for the American Citizenship and its Decline. It's with my good friend, the great historian, Victor Davis Hanson. In this eight-lecture course, VDH, as I like to call him, explores the history of citizenship in the West and the threats it faces today. Threats like the erosion of the middle class, the disappearance of our borders, the growth of an unaccountable deep state, and the rise of globalist organizations. The course is self-paced so that you can start whenever and wherever. So start your free course, American Citizenship and Its Decline, with my good friend, Victor Davis Hanson, today. How do you do that? Go right now to hillsdale.edu slash justnews to start. It's free and it's easy to get started and it's an easy URL to remember. All you got to do, go to hillsdale.edu slash justnews. One more time, hillsdale.edu slash justnews. America. Happy Monday. Welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. We've got a great show for you today. We're getting into the holiday season and Just the News has a solution for you. If you're looking for a different, unique, thoughtful gift you can give this Christmas season, well, we put together our own holiday gift guide chock full of special offers that our partners, our strategic advertisers, our sponsors are making available to you for this Christmas. Everything from man crates to the gift of an AMAC membership, all available in one simple location, justthenews.com slash offers, justthenews.com slash offers. Go check that out. There's all sorts of great ideas from subscriptions and memberships to unique gifts to some of my favorite warm socks when I go up to the cabin and work out in the mountain on the weekends, cutting wood from heat holders. There's just an incredible collection. And as you know, my wife and I like to hang out in our Tommy John loungewear when we're up at the cabin, soft, warm, comfortable, even fashionable enough to answer the door in at night if you're hanging out around the fireplace. All of those gifts, all of those ideas, all of the discounts that you can get because you're a member of the Justin News family that John Solomon reports listenership. All you got to do is go to justthenews.com slash offers. That's that easy. Justthenews.com slash offers. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages. Folks, Factors, delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, plus veggie, and so much more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutritional packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious and easy. What are you waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. If you're like me and have a busy schedule that the last thing you want to worry about is what to eat or having to go to the grocery store, 
Factor makes it easy. As they are flexible to your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Plus, Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, usually in just two minutes. So there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Head to factormeals.com slash justnews50 and use the promo code justnews50 to get 50% off. That's the code justnews50 at factormeals.com. One more time, factormeals.com slash justnews50. Use the justnews50 code and you will get 50% off your first order. Hey folks, it's John Solomon here. Today, I want to shine a light on AMAC, an organization who's dedicated to America's seniors, but is vital for conservatives of all ages. AMAC stands out by not only advocating for senior issues, but also by pushing for conservative values that affect us all. By joining, you're not just supporting our senior citizens, you're part of a movement defending the freedoms that made this country great and to ensure that we secure our nation's future. Plus, membership brings you exclusive benefits like discounts on travel, dining, and entertainment, and of course, special insurance rates, one of the things I like. Regardless of your age, if you're driven to preserve freedom, AMAC welcomes you. This is about uniting youthful vigor with the wisdom of experience and our quest to keep this country great. Sign up now for amac.us slash justnews. And for a limited time, you get a free gift membership for someone else who shares your love for our great nation. Don't miss out on this chance to make a difference from AMAC. Join today at amac.us slash justnews. That's amac.us slash justnews and extend the invitation to a friend or family member for free. What a great opportunity. To start off today, we've got an extraordinarily great guest, a perfect guest to join us at the beginning of the show, Dr. Harvey Risch from the Yale School of Public Health, here to make sense of so much of what we've been learning in the last few weeks about our government and the pandemic. Dr. Risch, great to have you back on the show. Good to be with you. I want to start with a bigger question. You've done a lot of reflection. You've been one of the most thoughtful people challenging some of the failures that we've had in public health. We started the COVID pandemic with a lot of debate about COVID misinformation in the private populace. But it seems now, as we learn more and more facts from science and more and more facts from depositions, that maybe the U.S. government and public health officials also engaged in a lot of disinformation. I want to see if I can get your assessment on whether the government had some guilt in this disinformation warfare that we were in. Well, I think the government has actually never cited any science to us. It's all been what I call plausibility, that things to an average person, even to doctors and scientists as a whole, think that is science, but it's just plausible theories. The, the idea that masks work because you put them in front of your face and the breathing looks like it's going through it, even if it's going around, that's a plausibility. The only way to know whether it works or not is to test the plausibility with some actual measurements in a, an observ observational study or a randomized study. And those studies have shown nothing. And in fact, the study that you described just a moment ago was one that compared two different kinds of masks. It was called a non-inferiority study, which means that both arms of the study are active treatments. But I would call it an equal inferiority study because both treatments don't work. And that was the whole point, that they showed that they equally don't work because we know that masks don't work because, as Fauci didn't cite any evidence that masks work, because there isn't any evidence, any real evidence that masks work. There's 150 or more studies that show that masks are useless. So th that's where we are. Wow. Amazing. Dr. Risch, I wanted to ask you, um, 
Prior to COVID, because I do think that COVID was the, the line of demarcation, uh, it's always been my understanding that in science in general, whether it's medicine or health or physics or biology or whatever the case is, uh, the way that you do science is by questioning science. And then Anthony Fauci burst on the public scene. I mean, he's always been there in the background as a public bureaucrat or as a government bureaucrat. But he brought forth this attitude that you highlighted in your article about attacks on me, quite frankly, or attacks on science. Will we ever ever get back to that place where questioning science is, is how things should be done? Well, we scientists in the background do it day in, day out. That's what we do. That is how science is done. But the question is, what should be done in the public sphere, in public discussions? Are we talking about science in public or are we talking about propaganda in public? And unfortunately, if people can't tell the difference, then we get suckered. We get told what well, we're being is being represented as science, but it's not. The idea that these vaccines suppress the spread of the pandemic was plausibility, but it was never actually tested because the original randomized trial of the vaccines was only to see if people got infected, not whether once infected, they would spread the infection more or less. So it was never actually tested. What we found is empirically when it was when the studies were actually done, that the vaccines were weak for a short period of time and then the benefit went away and people could spread the infection and, and the CDC ad, uh, admitted to that on August 11th that the fully vaccinated people will still spread the in infection uh, that, the, that the benefit of the vaccines work for what they call the transient period and wanes and in public health terms transient means short so it's not a solution to a pandemic that's something that works for a short period of time so th this is where we end up that the government said you you know if you, you won't get the infection if you get vaccinated that was untrue you won't spread the infection if you get vaccinated that was untrue it's said recently that you won't get sick or die from the infection that's uh, if you get vaccinated that's uh, as we were seeing untrue that the majority of people now dying from covid are vaccinated one could argue argue that the majority of people in the population are vaccinated and so, so we have to work that out exactly and how the age of the people plays into that also. But the whole point is that when you play fast and loose with statistics, trying to be plausible, that that's not science. So the big question now is we've been through two and a half years. I think people on all sides of the political debate now realize that we don't have a public health structure as robust and capable as we thought we did. How do we begin to fix this? What are the personnel changes? What are the policy changes that need to take effect? And also, how do we get back to injecting science and not plausibility into the public health equation? Well, I think we have to remove the motivations that cause people to be aligned, to be captured with industry. And, you know, President Eisenhower said that in his final speech to the country about the military industrial complex. And now we have you know, a pharma uh, government complex that's doing the same thing, that the regulatory agencies are, are captured, the CDC is captured right. by interests where whether they, they think they're captured or not, they're behaving as if they're the PR department uh, for pharma companies and vaccine manufacturers. And that is not, they're not acting in the public interest. So what needs to be done is the people who are either incompetent, as I've said in the, the Brownstone article, or that are doing things for reasons that are not objectives, not scientifically objective, need to change careers. They need to move somewhere. They can work for pharma. Let them work for pharma. But we need objective people reviewing science, using good scientific uh, processes in the regulatory agencies and in the, the CDC and other government science agencies and in the public health schools as well.
Yeah, so much to do to, to reform all of that. I wanted to ask you about this, this concerning revelation about what the CDC knew regarding myocarditis and the fact that they left that off of these post-COVID um, surveys. Even though it goes against my natural inclination, I'm going to ask a question giving the CDC the benefit of the doubt. Was this just an issue of oversight, as in another instance of failure during COVID like the VAERS website, or was this intentional because they knew that this was a very very serious and prolific issue. Well, I can't read their minds. I think the, the VAERS uh, website and, and system and the FAERS for drugs, that's parallel to it, were created, but not by epidemiologists, not by scientists. They were created by government action to try to address a question that's really much harder to address than those self-reporting websites can do. And this is part of the problem of understanding epidemiology, which is that we care how people are sampled because we want people to be representative of everybody with a particular condition or a general population. And when people self-report or their doctor's report or their attorney's report or their pharmacist's report, we have no idea how the reporting is going on and who's actually in the system. So the, it's a very weak form of data from an epidemiologic perspective. Then the, the CDC also did the vSafe program, which was an app that 10 million people uh, took up onto their cell phones to report adverse events. Again, that's kind of unclear as to who the people are compared to the general population and what kinds of things cause them to report. But the best ones are the health insurance company databases for all of the claims payments that they've had to manage over the last three or four years to get an idea of what the insurance companies are doing. They have individual information on individual people and everything, you know, their vaccine exposures, their COVID exposures, their outcomes, and all of that. And those are the analyses that will be much more definitive. The CDC has data from seven or eight or nine of those big databases, yet, and it promised at the fall of 2020 to be transparent and to reveal that, yet they have never revealed any of it. And that needs to come out. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34-plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now. Folks, Field of Greens is the healthiest thing I do every day, and I want you on this journey with me. Why? It's literally one scoop a day. It tastes great. I love the fruit flavors particularly, and it's completely improved my life and my health. This is nutrition the way nature intended. When I began taking a hard look at why I wasn't feeling good and why I felt unhealthy, why I was gaining weight, why I was losing energy, it wasn't just because I had hit my 50s. No, it was because I wasn't getting the right amount 
of fruit and vegetables in my diet. And listen, it's, I'm just too busy to go to the store, clean up the vegetables, cook uh, uh, vegetable dinners, and make sure I hit the fruit. A field of greens stepped in. One scoop of powder in my drink or on my eggs in the morning, and boom, I was off and feeling better. And suddenly, I was losing weight. I was sleeping better. My metabolism went up. My blood sugar went down. My cholesterol went down, and my weight went down. And my doctor said, hey, whatever you're doing, keep it doing. You know what that is? It's Field of Greens. That's what I've been doing. Field of Greens is radically different. Each organic fruit and vegetable was medically chosen to support heart and vital organ health. I trust Field of Greens to keep me healthy. I promise you, you're going to love this product. But if for any reason you don't, they'll give you 100% money back guarantee. Now, you're going to get 15% off your first order plus free rush shipping because of the incredible partnership we have here at Just the News with Brick. House Nutrition, and, of course, Field of Greens. All you got to do to take advantage of this offer, visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Don't wait. Go to fieldofgreens.com today. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS for 15% off. Welcome back, America. Our next guest is the co-founder and president of the company that has had a very successful series called The Chosen. They're now on to season three, and it's currently on pace to finish number three in the weekend box office. Joining us now to talk about this series and all of its success is Jordan Harmon. Jordan, great to have you back on the show. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. This is a remarkable achievement when you think about the size of budget difference with normal Hollywood movies. Everything that you've been able to achieve, you've done at a much smaller scale, but with a much larger public response. What's going on in the industry when this is going on right now? Yeah, you know, it's it's been a, an amazing experience because we we started this. Oh man, five years ago, four years ago, where we had this idea of well, what if we, you know actually go and, and uh, crowdfund a TV series. <laughs> and we were lucky enough to find someone as crazy as Dallas to come do it with us. But, uh, you know, as we as we did this, um, I think the response has been remarkable. And it's proven that there's this huge audience who want incredible stories that amplify light throughout the world. And, and they're willing to put their money where their mouth is. And so we were so, so excited as we've watched over the last four years as this has built momentum but we did it in such a unique way in that we have a free model. It's a free TV series. You can watch it on the Angel app uh, anytime you want for free. And we created mechanisms like paying it forward or buying merchandise so that you can support the show and get it throughout the world. But once we had built the large enough audience, we said, hey, you know what? Let's create a celebration for this audience. So we looked at theatrical completely differently. And we said, why don't we, now that we've created this audience of tens of millions of people, create a celebration inside of the theaters and, and see how they respond and they love it. And it's been, it's been so good just to see people show up to uh, rally together and to uh, put this project on the map in bigger and better ways. Uh, amazing. Well, I am so excited for your success. I actually booked our tickets on the AMC app uh, yesterday to <laughs> nice. see it this weekend. So we are really excited about it. But um, I want to show our audience the trailer so that they get excited and get out to the box office and go see it as well. Check this out. The whole point of The Chosen is to lead to this. We have this desire to get people to know and love Jesus better. And then this is the result. When you know and love Jesus more, what do you want to do? You want to tell about it. You want to sing about it. You want to worship it. What's our response to all that? To the great songs? To the story of what actually happened on that simple night? People must know. 
Jordan, something I've noticed over the progress of these three seasons is that the production value continues to go up. Um, and my question is, you know, I live here in Los Angeles and it's a whole town of, of production type people, whether it's in front of the camera or behind the camera. Have you experienced a lot of folks leaving Hollywood and coming to platforms like this one and to projects like this one? Oh, that is an awesome question. You know, what's interesting is our model is very unique in that in Hollywood, there is this uh, this incentive alignment issue that it's very rare for creators to actually get a back end on their productions, no matter how successful they are. So, for example, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix did over a billion in the box office or close to a billion and they lost somehow one hundred and sixty seven million dollars. And it's just because the way the studios have structured it, they've created this mechanism where they'll take out 30% for distribution fees and their ad overhead fees and, and, and all these different costs up and down the line. And then there's no incentive to make something left over. And so what the creators end up doing is they end up saying, you know what, I'm never going to make money in the back end. I might as well inflate my production budgets so that I can at least make something off of this film or this TV series. And we said, that's got to change. We can't have this world where if a project's super successful monetarily, that the creators and the investors never get paid out, only the studio does. And so we created an entirely new model where we make money when the creator makes money. And it created this mechanism where um, the dollars on this that, that get put towards production actually end up on the screen instead of in, in, in padding creators' pro po pockets. So we always say, don't pay yourself a ton of money off of your production budgets, pay yourself out of your profits. And so when you see the high production quality of the chosen, it's because they're actually having the dollars hit the screen versus just paying everybody a bunch of money. Amazing. What, a, what awesome. an affirming idea. Yeah. Well, everywhere I go now, people are talking about Angel Studios. You have really put them on the map. And now the question is, what's next? The Chosen has opened up so many new opportunities. What are some of the things we should all be looking for in the next iteration of Angel Studios? Oh, I love that question. So obviously The Chosen's our first flagship series, but we have Dry Bar Comedy, which is the largest library of stand-up comedy in the world. Um, and you can download the Angel app and watch all of our content for free. And then actually today is the world premiere of a fantasy series called The Wingfeather Saga, which is an animated series that's broken all the records for uh, family animated crowdfunded series. And, uh, and we are very, very excited to show that series to the world. And then, and then in the next year, there's about nine or 10 other films and TV series that will be coming out inside of the Angel Studios app. And so we're very excited for the world to see this, this content that amplifies light. That's amazing. I love it. Jordan, there's one project that, that I saw on your website that I want to ask you about and get some details about it. A project uh, about a person who God said was a man after his own heart, King David. Talk to us about that. And I have to say there was a very shocking price tag attached to it as well. So give us a little bit of information on that, please. Yeah, so David's an incredible story by some filmmakers uh, in South Africa in Cape Town. And they have created, they've been at this for over almost two decades. And we partnered with them to help them bring this story to the big screen and also to the world. But what's interesting is a lot of people don't realize that with animated projects, production budgets usually cost anywhere between 200 and $250 million if you want to be on par with like Disney and Pixar. And David has come up with some incredible innovations that are going to allow them to compete with some of those incredible animated films throughout the world, but for one fourth the cost. 
Now, that's still a lot of money. I mean, you're still looking at $50 million to produce this, but between the crowd and institutional investors, we've been able to assist them in raising well over $26 million, and we're well on our way to getting the full production budget done. And so we're very, very excited because we think that this will be a story that will have a gateway to the, to the entire world of seeing God's heart through the eyes of David. And so we're so excited about this project. We're excited about the impact it's going to have. And our goal and mission with it is that this will be the most viewed animated film of all time. Wow. Oh, Big ambition. Love <laughs> I love it. We got about 30 seconds left, Jordan. Just real quickly, your advice to someone that's on the cusp of saying, I want to try to be an entrepreneur. I want to break the mold in, in whatever industry. What's the biggest thing you've learned as an entrepreneur? Solve the problems that you want solved in your life. There's a book called The User Method, yeah. and it basically says, find things that are really important to you. When we started Angel Studios, it was that I have five kids, my brothers who co-founded it with me, they also have a lot of kids, and we just said, you know what? We want to change culture for our kids, and so we're going to solve this problem. So I, please, go solve those problems for the world. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages. Folks, if you get your wallet stolen or your cell phone or your car, we know what it is. It's old-fashioned theft. It's crime. We know it. Criminals now have a new way to steal our most valuable asset, our homes. Older Americans are most vulnerable to these types of thefts, and that's because they more often own their homes outright. An 88-year-old Florida woman recently discovered that scammers forged her signature, created a fake deed to her home, and then took her property. Those who buy a property from a deed theft scammer often become victims as well. What can you do to protect yourself? It's simple. My good friends at Home Title Lock provide the premier detection technology to protect your home and its title. The instant they detect an activity or something suspicious, they mobilize to help shut it down. We won't know a thief took us off our title until it's too late. That's why Title Lock jumps into action right away. The titles to all our homes are easily found online. A criminal or renter, even a family member, can simply forge your signature on a home sale form, then he or she refiles as the new owner, and bam, your home is not in your name, and all of a sudden, debts are being taken out against it. That's why Home Title Lock is my choice. Find out for free when you use my code JUSTNEWS at signup. You'll get a free comprehensive scan of your home's title and 30 days of legendary home title lock protection free. So go to hometitlelock.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. That's the promo code JUSTNEWS at hometitlelock.com. Go there today. You know what, folks? Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you've got moderate to high stress like I do, a doctor-formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. Chronic stress wreaks havoc on blood sugar, which can cause your body to store excess fat. Stress can also slow your metabolism, which fuels weight gain. And you know all about stress eating and sugar cravings, right? Now the good news. The studied ingredients in lean have been shown to help maintain healthy blood sugar levels, help optimize metabolism, and keep your appetite under control. Now, if your life is a bit stressful like mine and you want to lose weight, add lean to your healthy diet and exercise lifestyle. Now get 15% off and free shipping at takelean.com. That's takelean.com and enter the promo code justnews15. That's the promo code justnews15 at takelean.com. One more time, takelean.com. Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute or alternative for care from a healthcare provider. He's a member of the Mojave County Board of Supervisors. His name is Ron Gold, the chairman of that board. Ron, great to have you on the show, sir. 
Good to be here today. Uh, you have an amazing story. I've heard it a couple times now. I want, for our audience, if you could just tell us what happens. You, you get the election results, there are concerns, and uh, you're faced with a lot of pressure. Yeah, I actually wanted to see what's called as the cast voter roll, which is the it doesn't show which uh, how the person voted, but it showed how his ballot was voted. And they said that I couldn't get that without a court order. And so we went ahead and recessed and then we came back in the afternoon and we, we were instructed by our attorney that if we did not canvass the election, that we would be uh, facing possible class six felony which is four months or up to five and three quarters years in prison. Wow. So it's, you have a choice to vote yes to canvas or vote no and go to jail. Do you really have a choice? <laughs> Great question. Well, yeah, I mean, that <laughs> seems like Hobson's choice to me. Um, <laughs> with all of the irregularities that, that seem to persist across counties in Arizona, your county um, in, to an incredible level, when you receive a letter like this from the office of the woman who ultimately wants the job of governor in the state of Arizona, that that to me just seems a little um, conflicted. Yeah, and it's interesting because she, they had sent it earlier in the week. And then when we took a recess from the morning to the afternoon to give us a little more time to think about it, they sent that letter to us again. And then there was a cover sheet that essentially made the criminal threat. But our, our county did not have the problems that it was Maricopa County that just had the terrible problems. It can't seem to get an election right in the last three election cycles. Our election director does a good job, but we still had some questions. Yeah, and I want to go back to that initial request at the beginning of the process of the meeting. You asked, you asked to see a certain type of record. What was it that you were hoping to look and get, you know, get your mind around, make sure you felt comfortable with things? Well, if you can get this cast voter roll and you compare it to the machine roll, you can make sure that the ballots were actually tabulated the way the voter the voter cast them. And that's always been a concern. And that's been a concern for years, ever since we started using voting machines. So is, is that machine really tabulating your vote by the voter cast them? So how do, you, how do you proceed with elections? I mean, what's the attitude? Um going in when you know that there have been these issues for for a long time for multiple election cycles but knowing specifically what some of these issues would be i can't imagine for folks like you i mean do you go in on election day and just cross your fingers that that nothing bad transpires transpires and that everything is on the up and up well like i said our county does a good job with elections we don't have the problems that maricopa has so i'm not really cringing when election time rolls around uh, my office only had two complaints on on our election, but people still have concerns. And most of the concerns are that people don't understand when we canvassed that election for Mojave County, that that was our canvas, not the Maricopa County canvas where they had problems. And, and it's just that the average voter does not understand the process. And heck, half the time, the legislators don't understand the process. It, you know, we've been having elections in Arizona for over 100 years. You need to think we get it figured out. But you come across this stuff every year. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And, and people say, well, why would someone in your county care about what goes on in Maricopa County? But if Maricopa County is held to a different standard, if votes are tallied a different way, if voters are treated a different way, you don't have equal protection under the law, which is what the Constitution requires. How much uh confidence erosion has occurred in Arizona among everyday voters with the way Maricopa has really behaved for about 10 years now. It goes back to 2012 as best we can tell. Yeah, I think they've, uh, they're they losing faith in the whole election system. 
it, it's troubling because as a conservative, I want I don't want conservatives to give up voting because then Ben will never win an election if they just throw their hands up and, and walk away from the process. And it's bad for the democratic process in general. You know, you want a, a broad participation of, of the public. And if they lose faith in it, then, you know, um, it, if you can't talk, then you end up fighting. And that's just not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing for or it's a bad thing for Arizona. It's a bad thing for the United States. Sure. Ron, since, since your county seemed to handle elections so much better than counties like Maricopa, if you and your board of supervisors were to hold a seminar and train these other counties how to run clean, swift, fair elections, what are some of the most important things that you would tell them to do, especially in light of the fact that we got another election in two years? You know, they might want to have ink on hand to print the ballots. Uh, <laughs> common sense, you know, I'm a, I might be a simpleton, but uh, without the ink to print ballots. What's happened in Maricopa County is they set up a system with multiple points of failure. You've got an electronic poll book that you um, sign in on. You, they are printing your ballots in the polling place. They're electronically tabulating. So if the Internet goes down, you can't vote. And that's just a bad system. You, you want to have redundancy so you can actually um, continue to vote for the people that, that show up at the polls. And any problem at the poll is um, harder on Republicans than it is on Democrats, because it's in Arizona, at least um, Republicans are more apt to vote at the poll than by mail. You know, we had uh, President Trump told us uh, in the 2020 that uh, we should hold off our votes and vote at vote in person. And that's going to carry over into this year also. Yeah, important stuff. Let me let me ask you this real quickly. You've been through this process now where you have this responsibility to make sure that the votes you certify are accurate. And now you've been told you can't exercise that if you have a question. What might you do next to resolve this question? Well, first off, we're going to try to get an attorney general's opinion of is this the proper interpretation of the law? We might find that out just from the way the judge behaves towards uh, Cochise County because they're going through essentially what we thought might happen in Malawi. But uh, I I think it's just an oversight of the legislature. The problem is with, uh, it looks like we're going to have a Democrat governor and a Republican legislature. Um, Anything that we try to change will probably not get the governor's signature. Um, We can go around her and go to the ballot with the Citizens Initiative, but in reality, that still wouldn't even take effect until the 2026 election. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. 
Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Welcome back, everybody. With congressional leadership changes on the horizon and many votes taking place before the end of the year, we figure there was no better lawmaker to talk about all of this with than the current chairman of the House Freedom Caucus and great conservative representing the people of Pennsylvania, Congressman Scott Perry. Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome back. Well, thank thank you so much for the opportunity. Yeah, there's a lot going on. It's been a busy day. (laughs) Indeed, there is a lot going on. I wanted to ask you something, though, um, I guess that more pertains to political culture, because we saw under a Democrat-led Congress, Democrats asking for unity, but what seemed to be their desire was conformity. What does unity under a Republican-led Congress look like? Well, hopefully unity means that we're actually on the same page because that's where we want to be. We're not on the same page because somebody's go- holding a gun to our head, a figurative, a figuratively, obviously. But uh, I think that we've seen in past Republican Congresses uh, that that's exactly what it was. It was forced unity, which obviously doesn't stand the test of time. And unfortunately, I think we can can count those up to failures now. And so we're looking to break the cycle uh, literally, we had we had a rules committee meeting today where we were trying to make some amendments to the rules. And these are minutiae. These don't really get to the big problems that America is facing. But what we're trying to do is allow members, really members voices to be heard where everything in the past has been leadership driven. Only a few people in Washington, D.C. in the House of Representatives making the decisions for everybody. And we just show up and, and vote on them. Anyhow, uh, one of the guys says, look, I've been here for 20 some plus years. We don't need to change these rules. They're working very well. And of course, a bunch of us looked at each other and we said, you know, I don't think the American people agree with that. I I don't think they see that things are working real well in Congress. If you haven't checked the ratings lately, we get a pretty low approval rating. So let's see what we can do um, to make some real changes here. And and see if we can get a, a little bit more effective or actually a lot more effective. So give us a sense of whether there's any uh, willingness of the leadership team, the, the McCarthy leadership team, to engage and make concessions and try to get everybody there. Because at the end of the day, what you're trying to do is get the people's business done. This isn't about right. personal agendas. It's a people business. Have you seen any inkling of, of trying to compromise and, and make the, the people who sent you to Congress happy with these decisions? So, uh, John, I think it's so important to provide some context here. So a bunch of us in the Freedom Caucus looked at the way Congress is operating. We looked at it what's called conference rules. So that's the rules for the Republicans. We looked at House rules. So that's the rules of the whole operation. We looked at policies, things like debt ceiling, the National Defense Authorization Act. And then we looked at other things like who gets to populate committees, who gets to be a chairman of committees. So we started the discussion just for context last summer. We went to Leader McCarthy and we said, look, These are some things we want to talk about. And here's some things that we would prefer to change or at least open the discussion with. We were patted on the head and sent on our way. In the fall, we went back and said, look, we've really been working hard on this. We think this place is broken. It obviously is. And and we'd like to discuss this again. We were patted on the head and sent packing. 
um, right after the election in, on November 3rd, there was more of a willingness to have a conversation, but it was essentially, what do you want to do? What is it you want? And so we said, well, look, these are these are our entrees into the conversation. But the more important thing is, is as the guy that wants to be speaker, what are you willing to do to change things around here, to open it up so all voices are heard? But more importantly, open it up so the American voices that sent us here are heard so that we do you know, we're doing what they wish we would do. And, and as, as opposed to what Washington, D.C. wishes we would do. That's where the conversation got real kind of cold and kind of almost dead ended. Now, as as members have come, uh, have made their position on uh, the speakership public and said, you know, I'm going to vote for this person or not vote for that person. There's been more of a willingness to come to the table and talk about things. So if you just look at two weeks ago, we had a rules committee hearing and it was just a bunch of gavel banging, as we right. call it. You know, oh, you want to talk here? Let's bang the gavel. You're not recognized. And of course, the new members, all these freshmen that just showed up, that just got elected to Congress, they were appalled. They were like, what What did we just step into here? And leadership thought that they were putting the heavy hand on us. And, and I think they were congratulating themselves during the meeting. But by the next morning, they realized it was a horrific mistake. So fast forward to today, two weeks later, 10 are very different. What do you want to do? What are you trying to accomplish? Let's see how we can Let's see how we can have a family conversation. That's where we need to be. But quite honestly, that's where we always should have been. We shouldn't have to force these kind of things. We're trying to work effectively, hear each other's uh, concerns. But we get a tight majority. If we can't figure this stuff out, look, as you know, John, Amanda, if we don't, if we're either going to fight on the floor in front of the American people or we're going to fight behind closed doors, figure out our problems and then come to a consensus. But uh, we prefer, you know, to to get that stuff worked out ahead of time so that we can defeat the Biden agenda. That's what's really important is defeating the Biden leftist agenda. Yeah, I think that's ultimately what what Republican voters want to see. The House Freedom Caucus, I I believe, is not even 10 years old, but it wields a tremendous amount of power within the House. I know that Congressman Kevin McCarthy, uh, leading up to the midterm elections, he put out that document, Commitment to America, and and made promises as far as investigations and other items on the agenda. But unfortunately, the American people, regardless of what side they vote for, we're used to promises being broken. As far as some of the... The major line items that Congressman Kevin McCarthy has uh, has promised that he will get to. What do you think are some of those that he's least likely to stick to? And how can you make him come through on those promises? Uh, I don't know that he's made any promises. And I think this is a point of contention for us. Uh, But look, we've got to quit running up until the end of these fiscal deadlines where we're forced to vote for what we call omnibuses or continuing resolutions where we spend an overwhelming amount of money, send it right to the Biden administration to destroy the country. We keep funding the Department of Justice to investigate uh, innocent Americans. We keep funding uh, Homeland Security, which uses it to process illegal people coming illegally into our country as opposed to stop them. That's where I think we really need to focus our attention. And that's where I think that anybody that's willing to lead the Republican conference and be Speaker of the House that lays out that vision of how we can do that, what we will do to be successful, I think, has a shot at being Speaker. But short of that, uh, I I think we're you know, I think we're going to continue to have questions. But I think that's the real big question of the day. And and, you know, to let you guys know, we started we started these conversations uh, uh, yeah. almost two years ago now. That's right. So why are we now at the edge of taking the majority and not have a solution or at least some plan? 
We should at least have a plan in mind. Yeah, that's a great point. Congressman, I know you count numbers. You're very diligent. Uh, there are five public members of, uh, of the caucus that say they're not going to vote for McCarthy. How many votes do you think he's actually really short when you go across the entire conference? Well, look, I don't want to I don't want to lay out numbers to you, John, because you know what? Everybody counts numbers and yeah. having a pretty good count is is a powerful thing in Washington, D.C. Um, but I, I can tell you it's more than five. Uh, and, and look, it's not all Freedom Caucus members, to be to be honest with you. As a matter of fact, some Freedom Caucus members have already committed to Leader McCarthy. But uh, there's other members that aren't in the Freedom Caucus that have said no way to me. So. Um, look, we are at a, we're at an interesting time and uh, there's a lot of leverage being played right now. And it's all to be for the benefit of the American people that want this insanity that they see in Washington, D.C. to end. Yeah. And they want to see somebody do it and they don't want to look. Uh, insanity is doing, the, you know, doing the same thing with the same people in the same conditions over and over again and expecting a different outcome. Something has to change here. Yep. Congressman, very quickly before we go this morning, very narrowly avoided a rail strike um, yeah. ahead of Christmas. Thank goodness, because I've seen figures between 30 and 50 percent of intermodal cargo that's transferred via rail or, or transported via rail. The White House couldn't get this done. Uh, Congress had to step in. Is this just um, another indication that the White House is not uh, not effective? Well, it, it really isn't effective. And let's remind everybody that the reason this problem exists is because the White House created it. The White House and the Democrats created this problem. And then they came to Congress and they wanted many of us to help. Um, and so, you know, look, we shouldn't be in Congress setting wages. I mean, that's a mercantilist economy. And, and that's what the Communist Party of China has. It's not the business of Congress, but they were desperate to get them to dig themselves out of the hole that they created. The Democrats and Joe Biden created this. Republicans should not have helped them get out of it. And we should not be setting wages for anybody in our country. Uh, that's not Indeed. how our system of free enterprise works. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages. He is a House Ways and Means Committee member and congressman from the great state of North Carolina, Representative Greg Murphy. Congressman, great to have you. Hey, John. Nice to see you. Nice to see you, Amanda. This is such an extraordinary time in history. We're taking in $5 trillion a year of tax revenue, and yet we still have a trillion dollars plus in debt each year. Republicans yeah. seem to be real serious about cutting Target. Where do you start next year? How does that process begin? Well, I, you know, the House is where appropriations start. This is where we are the ones who appropriate the dollars that are spent by the federal government. Can't really do much about what was done in the past. However, we can work on sunsetting some of the outrageous spending that's been gone on by this administration. But remember, as we uh, spend goods by the federal government or the public for that matter. We're fighting inflation, but at one point, um, we're now going to also see again worsening of our supply chain crisis because we look at the lockdowns and everything that are in China. We're going to have fewer goods. And again, more money chasing fewer goods leads to higher inflation regardless regardless really what the Fed does. So it's going to be a difficult time. I'm not going to promise anybody that uh, a Republican majority in the House is going to be single-handedly able to control inflation. But we're going to really try very, very hard to stop this reckless and out-of-control spending. 
Yeah. Well, and Congressman, I know that there there really are no easy fixes to such complex issues, but there is one issue that there seems to be an easy fix for, and it is our energy crisis. Now, the last few weeks, our gas prices have gone down, but we are still in an era where our, our gas prices in some places are up to $8 here in California, and it just seems to make sense that the Biden administration would allow the restarting of energy production here on our U.S. soil instead of what they did in the last few days, which was reigniting uh, or reallowing drilling uh, for Chevron in Venezuela. That that to me seems like an easy one. Well, you know, Amanda, the way that Biden administration is so beholden to the progressive left on the whole climate issue is preventing them from doing anything in the United States. And if you look at where we can get good, efficient, clean energy, it is from the United States. But the Biden administration loves to say, well, we have all the leases. But the problem is they're not giving the permits for us to drill on federal lands, on our own lands in the United States. So here, you know, the Biden administration turned to dirty Russian oil until they finally, by congressional decree, had to stop that through sanctions. And now we've turned to another, I don't want to say Venezuela is an enemy, but they're surely not our friendly con- a, a country to friendly to the United States. And they're going to produce again oil that is and gas that is not nearly as clean as what we would do in the United States. It's really sad that the administration is that beholden to the progressive left not to do anything here in the United States, but then import stuff from other countries, which will actually worsen uh, fossil fuel emissions because it's a dirtier, pri- a dirtier uh, type of product. Um, just so they can say we're keeping the U.S. nice and clean. It's really sad. Um, it's it's again. It's uh, going to be a lot, a lot too late. Yeah, and it seems like the American people are in the back seat of the equation when it comes to the Biden economy. Uh, they'll give reparations to other countries for climate damage, but they won't allow things in our country to actually take effect so that we can lower our own gas prices. How does the Republican Congress rewire that dynamic? What things can they do in the budget process to force the Biden administration into more common sense solutions? Well, we also need to stop paying people to stay at home. John, if you if you know and understand the national health and the national emergency is still in effect. Yeah. What does that mean? I'm going to give you one example that was allowed him to do the student loan debacle, which was literally a vote buying scheme. Otherwise, it is unconstitutional. And two, as long as the national or the public health emergency is in place, which I'm sorry, as a physician, I think that should have stopped 10 months ago. Um, no state is allowed to audit its Medicaid rolls. So now there are approximately 18 million individuals on Medicaid in the United States that do not qualify. So what's happening? Those people are staying home. They're not working. They're not in the workforce. And the government is just paying them to subsist. It's like the basic income issue. We need to get we need to stop that nonsense, audit our Medicaid rolls and get actually American people back to work where they should be, where they generate money, where they are not being just given money to live on, but that's good for what's good for America. These are things that we, common sense things that that this administration seemingly lacks any common sense. We need to stop letting money flowing out of the government and get our people back to work. Congressman, I want to ask you politically, you know, I think the the economy was a big issue in the midterms a few weeks ago. But as you heard at the top of this block, the uh, Federal Reserve President James Bullard out of St. Louis said that inflation is here to stay at least through 2024. If if inflation and the economy had the difference uh, or had the impact that it did in the midterm elections, how how much more is it going to be in 2024, assuming that what James Bullard said is true? 
Well, I, I would agree. I would have, I believe that's going to happen anyway, because none of the indicators, none of the things that are feeding inflation are going to be going away anytime soon. I think it was a major issue with this, uh, with this midterm. It got overshadowed by some other issues, but I think by the time 2024 come around, uh, comes around rather, um, I think people are going to be absolutely tired. You know, now one in six, I believe, are having problems paying their utility bills. People are cutting back. About 50% of individuals are cutting back on holiday spending because they just can't afford it. I think in two years' time, the American public are going to be sick, tired, and fed up of the inflation that's been caused in large part, not totally, but in large part by this out-of-control spending by this administration. Yeah, there's more storm clouds on the horizon. Uh, later this week, there's going to be a vote in the House, of course, uh, to see if you can stop the rail strike. Where do you stand on, on, on taking legislative action to try to stop the rail strike? And how do we get past that long-term crisis? You know, it's very interesting, John. Don't you remember Biden a few months ago saying that he, he himself had brokered a deal. It, it was all going to be good. And then come to find out last week, well, he finally admitted he hadn't really talked to any of the individuals. Um, it was just his staff thing. So, again, being disingenuous. It's going to be interesting because the Democrats are getting put in a position where they're usually pro-union into saying to the unions, look, you're going to accept this deal. Uh, we can't have our strike. We can't have a rail strike across this nation, especially when diesel is six dollars plus a gallon, if not higher. Um, it would be catastrophic for this state or for this country, rather. Um, it has to be done. And if it takes congressional authority um, to do it, then so be it. Congressman, I want to shift gears and ask you about the Biden administration's response to these protests that are taking place in China. In the wake of this apartment fire that happened, uh, I believe on Thanksgiving, we have seen the protests ramp up and Joe Biden hasn't said anything. The White House released a statement that basically just said it's going to be hard for COVID to, to find success with the zero COVID movement. They didn't condemn any of the treatment of the CCP or the Chinese federal government on their people. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think the Biden administration has shown that it's been holding, beholden to the, uh, the Chinese Communist Party. And why, I don't know. I think, to be honest with you, uh, with a few investigations coming up, we may find out some reasons. But the fact that, that they're not extolling the fact that people are, are rising up in the name of freedom really is very, very problem, is very, very troubling. They're doing the same thing in Iran. We should be uh, celebrating these individuals that are fighting, fighting back against these autocratic uh, governments and these ones who are really run by dictatorships, the fact that they're not doing so um, just makes you wonder, why, why are we not? Why is the Biden administration not? Why are they, uh, why are they holding back? Makes one wonder, and I think we're going to have some answers here in the next few months. Yeah, I know a lot of people are looking forward to this investigation. We've got about 20 seconds left, sir. I did one thing. Young people coming into the economy, they've experienced high gas prices, high food prices, now high mortgage rates keeping them from buying their first home. What's the future economy look like if you're a young person? Well, I have some young kids, and actually over Thanksgiving we talked about this. You can't buy a home, not with these prices and with, with the way inflation's eating at, uh, eating at all their income. So it's not good for the present time for the next, it won't be probably for the next five to eight years. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports. Thanks for listening. Really enjoyed the conversation today. Now, one reminder, a lot of people say, hey, John, do you have an app at the Just the News? And the answer is we sure do. And not only do we have an app, it's in the Apple Store. It's also in the Android Store. It allows you to take the Just the News experience and go in three different ways. You can watch our videos and television shows. You can listen to this podcast and many others like it, like Victor Davis Hanson. Or you can read the stories that we do a day, 50, 60, 70 stories a day of the breaking news, investigative reporting, accountability reporting. Go to the iOS App Store 
or the Android Store today. Download the Just the News app. Read, watch, listen. Three great ways to experience the Just the News content and to join the Just the News family. And if you really want to get involved with the family and say, hey, I want to support your investigative reporting, John Solomon. I want to support the great reporters and the producers and the bookers and everybody that works to make the Just the News experience possible. You can do something really inexpensive that makes a big difference. All you got to do is join the Just the News VIP club. That's right. What do you get for the VIP club? First off, ad-free experience on the website and on your newsletters. No ads, no dancing videos, no autoplay videos. An ad-free experience on Just the News 24-7, plus once a month you get to hang out with me at justthenews.com. We have a town hall. I sit and answer your questions for an hour. We talk about issues you care about. We cover topics that the other media aren't covering. It's an incredible experience to join the family the immediate family of the Just the News team. Great opportunity. Sometimes we bring in our reporters. It's always a delightful time. If you want to get involved in that, go to justthenews.com slash subscribe. Justthenews.com slash subscribe. Quick way to get into the club. It's $4.99 a month, $44.99 a year. Great way to support our journalism, make a difference, and get an enormous benefit yourself. So go check it out today. All right. Have a great night. God bless you. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition John Solomon reports the podcast from Just the News. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation, and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold, and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it, with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now.